Welcome to the Winning Drive Podcast, where Parkland USA employees discover the tools, strategies, and resources to increase safety, productivity, and success. Here's your host, Ben Fanning. Howdy, and welcome back to the Winning Drive Podcast. This interview is with the new Director of Customer Experience, Jim Story, a newly created role here at Parkland. And I think you will have a lot of fun enjoying this engaging interview. This is part one of a two-part interview. And we get into right out of the gate, Jim's vision for the director of customer service role and how he and his family scientifically, that's right, scientifically determined the best microwave popcorn. You're going to want to catch that, especially if you're a popcorn lover. And what he learned riding with a Parkland USA driver that has 40 years of experience. It was a pretty humbling experience for him, and I think you'll really enjoy that. And then he gets into a call to action for every single driver. And then what it was like trading commodities early in his career. You'll be surprised that the first commodity he traded was actually a dog food. And then we get into a lot of his work, interesting stories around Operation of Barbecue Relief the greatest two minutes in sports. And then we wind this part of the interview up with the big surprise that happened when Jim decided to live stream singing and guitar playing on Facebook for 60 days during the global pandemic. Let's jump in. Hey, Jim, welcome to the Winning Drive podcast. Thank you, Ben. Thanks. It's really good to be here. Appreciate it. Yep. I've been looking forward to this one. Good to have you on. This is a really exciting interview because Parkland USA has created a new role, the director of customer experience, and you are in this role. So what is your vision for what's going to happen? So Ben, if you go back through my career, I'm old. And if you look <laughs> that's at a good way to start off. If you go through my career, it's, it's, I'm old. <laughs> I'm old. And in the 80s, we did things a certain way, and now it here it is, you know, 2020, 2000 in the 2020s, and we're doing things the same way we did them back then, with a you know a big pile of paper at the end of the day, and you know my job is to move us forward and say let's get out of this paper laden business into this digital world, so we can so we can move and find things when we're looking for we we talk about. Um, where is a delivery of fuel? And, and hmm. we don't know today. For the most part, we don't know where it is. Our, our driver knows where he is, but for the most part, we don't. And, and from hmm. a mm-hmm. customer experience side, the big goal is to let our customers do what they do best. So, you know, they, they take kids to school or they mine things or they build roads and, and we deliver fuel they should always be able to look over and say, oh, my fuel's on its way or my fuel's here ah, okay. versus making a phone call and saying, does anybody know where the truck is today? So my job is to take that paper world and turn it into a trackable digital world and, and allow our customers to feel comfortable that we got their our part taken care of so they can take care of their part. That's, that's where I look at it from. And, and this, this is a wholesale type thing. It's, it's certainly not, you know, for, for a retail aspect, but this is for our large industrial type customers of knowing, you know, where, what's happening in the world. You know, and I see that having huge safety implications too, right? Positive ones. Absolutely. And, you know, when we look at this, it, it, it works really good for us and our customer, right? Our customer knows what's going to happen. 
They know when it's going to happen. And for us, we know that we don't have two trucks running to the same destination because mm. those can happen in a paper world. And all of a sudden we go to deliver and someone else has just delivered. And we've now missed another delivery that we could have made for another customer in a day. So it, help, it helps them be efficient. It helps us to be more efficient as well. Yeah, to me, this is just another reason to be excited about the direction that Parkland USA is headed in. Uh, absolutely. I mean, this, this, this will put us, you know, first and foremost as, as the people who understand where, our, where everything is in the fold that they can't get anywhere else. Customers will not be able to get this information anywhere else while, while we're getting this up and running. It's incredible. So it's, gonna, it's not only going to pr- promote safety and give better customer service, but it sounds like you want to be on the cutting edge of, of innovation in an industry that can be a little old school at times. And, and, I, and that's what I do. I'm an, I'm an innovation person. I, take, I, I do a lot of interesting, weird things with artificial intelligence. I play around with that stuff on the weekends myself. And by the way, it's not artificial. And it's not very intelligent either. But it, you know, there's people who believe it's both. Uh, but I play around with that stuff uh, in my free time to think mm-hmm. about how we can move certain industries, and, you know, including our own, which is still back in the 80s, forward from, you know, where they, where they stand today. It's very so interesting what's going on. So I want to let everybody know I was, I emailed Jim like, Hey Jim, you know, let's get this interview set up, looking forward to it. And, uh, we, it was on the, on the heels of Jay Erickson's interview where we we're talking about his wrestle, his wrestling career. And, uh, and I encourage everybody to go listen to that. And you said, Hey, I just want to let you know, Ben, I'm not a wrestler. I'm a nerd. <laughs> No, <laughs> it's, it's correct. What? Tell us a little bit more about not your not why you didn't choose wrestling like Jay, but, but why you are a self-described nerd. Well, I have four kids and um, we've always promoted. We didn't always know what it meant, but we always promoted STEM, which is science, technology, mm-hmm. engineering and math. They made mm-hmm. a name for it later. But we were, we we're always asking each other crazy questions and diving into things and we're hands-on people. We, you know, so um, one of our experiments was to uh, determine scientifically the best microwave popcorn. <laughs> and and oh, so, that's a good one. So we went to jail like this because we went to our local Kroger and we bought every microwave popcorn that they had, every type, style. It didn't matter. We bought it all. And then we came home and we measured all the bag weights and the kernel sizes. And we measured how much popped and how much was left over when we popped. And then we did blind taste test. And uh, that's, that's kind of the normal things we do. And it was interesting because the cashier is looking at us and there's, you know, me and four kids in tow and and we have nothing but popcorn. We probably have $40 worth of popcorn. And she's like, what, what are you, going to do with this and so we explained it to her and she was like you people are nuts but what time are you going to do this because i might stop by i'd really like to see this with so her shift didn't work out for us because she got off after their bedtime but um but we did go back and give her the results and i think the other thing we do is we watch a lot of mark rober videos which i know if you know who mark is he was a nasa, NASA scientist and now he does engineering stuff like a squirrel maze with high-speed cameras in his backyard to, to mm-hmm. see how squirrels do. And, um, and we talk about that kind of 
you know, kind of stuff. Um, from what did you determine was the best microwave popcorn? Uh, I don't know if it's a national brand, but it's called Uncle Willie's. Uncle Uncle Willie's popcorn, uh, might be local to Louisville, but it it was the best popcorn. Uh, it won in every category. Um, I think uh, Orville Redenbacher was the one that had the most unpopped kernels. So we discounted him right away. <laughs> Sorry, Orville. <laughs> That's right. That's great. So, okay. So you're the dad who's leading his four kids in science experiments, at, you know, at home, uh, which is so cool. And I can definitely see why this makes you, you know, a great person to have in this role because you're thinking about innovation, like you say, experimentation. Uh, and um, going to find the right solution for the customer. Exactly. We, we want something that's, you know, easy, obviously. And we want to be on the technical edge, but I never want to fall over, right? I want to be right on that edge. And I, I don't mind being second or third, but I don't want to be last. Nice. And, and so I, I look at a lot of industries and watch how different industries are tackling their problems and then try and, form it into to see if it would work, you know, for us in this really, you know, quote, simple old business of fuel. We are looking for drivers. Know a safe CDL licensed driver? Refer them to Parkland USA. And if we hire them, you'll get an employee referral bonus. Bonuses range from $1,000 to $2,000, depending upon the rock and the need for drivers. Please spread the word and let your dispatcher or people and culture manager know of any potential leads. You are listening to the Wedding Drive Podcast. Now back to the show with your host, Ben Fanning. So here you are today taking on this new role, basically crafting a new role and a new vision for this area of Parkland USA. Tell us a little bit about your origin story with your first job and and what's been your path to get here. So I... I, you know, I'm a kid. I was born in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, grew up in Mississippi. And I think like everybody, I had lots of odd jobs, um, you know, that, that you know, your parents kind of help you. Back in, when I was growing up, their parents didn't know probably what we were doing, but we were out, you know, trying to make money somehow and do different things. But my first real job was a second shift computer operator when I was in my, uh, when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And um, the computer that I worked on, First one was punch cards. So those cards that everybody talks about. But secondly, we were moving to a new computer and, and Ben had 256 meg of memory. <laughs> meg, not gigabytes. And, yeah. uh, the, and I, this is not lightning speed we're talking about here. This is a, uh, no, yeah, this was slow. And IBM declared it as all the computing power you would ever need. <laughs> and, uh, so, so, you know, being a kid, I was I was uh, 19 years old. I started out for my first year of college, and, and uh, I was just in heaven. Like the, there were just books and books of manuals about this computer, and nobody had ever seen it. It was brand new. IBM had just put it out. There were no experts on this thing, and I just gobbled up, you know, every bit of thing that that thing could could do. And that was my you know job for years was you know being a, being a programmer on this system mm-hmm. eventually. And designing systems for uh, lots of different um, companies, all dealing around commodities. So mm-hmm. I've been in the commodity business mm-hmm. uh, since 1986. Yes, you've been doing that over 30 years, right? That's correct. 
Yeah, that's correct. And energy, energy, uh, 20, uh, oh gosh, let me make sure I'm right. Energy. Yeah. Energy over 30 years, total commodities, yep. about 35. I, I, in, in my sleuth research, I understand the first commodity you got involved with was <laughs> dog food. That's right. That was the first <laughs> one I ever worked with was a meat meal company that made that they mixed up, um, the, the dry stuff and all the things that go into dog food. And, um, Turned it in, turned it into that, and they traded around that. Meat mill was traded, so that's how I got my start. Was building a risk system for trading dog food. So when you say so, for the listeners that aren't familiar with this whole commodity deal, what what exactly? So dog food being one of those commodities, what exactly were you doing with these? Were you were they were trading them to other buyers, or what was was there a market? Yeah, it, it, there's a market for just about anything you want to go deal with. And, and the commodity markets range from, you know, anything from meat meal to cotton. If you ever watch back in the old days and on a really date myself, there was a movie called trading places and they, they were working oh, yeah. with pork Eddie Murphy, bellies. Matt Aykroyd, right? Right. Pork bellies was, was yeah, their pork thing. Bellies. So, oh, that's such a great movie. <laughs> so there's pork bellies and there's my second commodity was cotton and then it was refined products. So, you know, diesel fuel uh, or heating oil, I guess, is what it was traded, and gasoline and crude oil, and all of those things get traded. Uh, those are those are commodities, and there's a there's a commodity market. There's a market for every one of those things uh, that get traded around, and uh, it it take a long time to get in deep into this. But the commodity markets are some of the most fantastic uh, capital things you'll ever see in your life when you see them work. So, so you're jumping around a little bit. They're kind of interesting, right? So yeah, you started in, you started in computer in, in the computer deal. You know, but which, by the way, is really interesting because I recently interviewed, and the listeners are going to hear an interview from Eddie Hose, the VP of Finance, and his mm -hmm. earlier early in his career in South Africa, he was doing computers work too, but he was doing a lot of like uh, motherboard soldering and tinkering with that as his first job. Um, it doesn't sound like you were quite in the welding part of it or the soldering part of it. You were still I'm not the nerd who does things like I don't. My brother's kid about the fact that my hands were always clean. I, I didn't do I didn't do things. I like thought about programs and how to make computers yeah. do things, but I didn't know they wouldn't let me touch a solder. So you kind of had this all. systematic mindset, looking at the whole system, how to improve it how to make things flow and you got into the commodity side of it. Fast forward, how did you make the leap from that into what you're doing now? A few years ago, I got out of designing computer systems and, and more into the end sale of a customer. And, and I, and I sat with a lot of people in rooms and said, what do customers want? Hmm. And, Good and, that's question. A, and that's a big, it's a big question, right? And why do customers buy from us? Because they can buy from a lot of people. It's a commodity. Why do they buy from us? And and the answer kind of is, is very simple. Uh, it comes down to relationships with people, number one. Mm. Um, you, mm -hmm. you buy from people because of the relationship that you have with them. My, my Kroger, I, I shop at my Kroger, not because they're the cheapest and not because they're uh, the closest to me, but I have a relationship with the butcher who tells me what steaks to buy and what, you know, what hamburger to buy when. 
but there's relationship. And then there's also what a customer's need out of your transaction that they're dealing with is, mm -hmm. you know, a timely bill and they want to make sure you're going to show up and they want to make sure everything's right. And, and if you can do those things and you can do those things well, you'll succeed. And, and that's what I spend my time on is how can I be the best at what I would want to be so my customer can go to his job. Got it. Yeah, there's a lot of value in that, especially in a competitive marketplace. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm curious, ref reflecting back, so this is kind of a reflection question. When you look back over your career so far, what's the advice that you give your younger self? Oh, boy. Um, that's kind of like a hard question, you know, but, but I think that I would tell my younger self that the journey is also as good as the destination. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to have, you know, the goal of, of putting in a new system or, you know, wh whatever your end state is. But many times when I was in such a hurry to get to that destination I missed things along the way of that journey that would have one helped me or two things I could have solved along the way that I got narrowly focused on. And I didn't take the time to understand the other things that the other noise that around me that actually meant something. I kind of tried to filter it out and just get to the end place. It's like vacation, well, yeah. you know, and just, you just drive a nine hours straight, which is first off, not safe. And secondly, you will miss the largest ball of twine. And, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to miss that opportunity to go see and learn something new. Yeah. So much wisdom in that. It's not always about just getting there. It's about enjoying the journey along the way. And if you're so focused on the end state, yeah, you miss, you miss the stuff that you could have uncovered along and along. And, you know, it's so interesting too, because then it's so, such practical, tangible meaning to the drivers out there because they're Absolutely. going from point A to point B. They got to get there safely, but man, they're hopefully they're taking notice of the beauty around them, right? And appreciating the relationships that they're building along the way and, you know, finding the richness of that experience. And, and also part of that is the feedback of saying, you know, I'm, I'm the driver. I need these things. Here are certain things that we could do better. And here are things that would make our jobs easier and they would make our jobs safer. And if you're not a driver, you don't know those things. And as the driver, you know them inherently, but you got to, you know, I, I love feedback. I want to know if something is good and if something is just okay. And if something is incredible, right. And, and if it's just okay, then I want to do better. And I want to think about how to make it better for that. And, in many cases, the drivers are the only ones who can tell me. I, I rode uh, with Jesus last week at Tropic, and um, I, I watched his, you know, he's he'd been driving for 40 years. And so it was interesting to four, be with him and see him. Four years? 40. Four zero. Four zero? Wow. Four zero. And watching him, you know, just drive the truck and offload fuel, I was just really soaking it in, like, he knew when that truck made a like the least creak, he knew what that creak meant. Like he would 
go and adjust something or he would ignore things. And I'd be like, oh, that, that sounds like something we should be doing. And he's like, no, it's good. And it was so awesome to see somebody that has done that job for 40 years and just know exactly what those sounds and what those things around you all mean, you know, and i never, I'll never know that. Um, I had to, I have to get that information back from them on what's great and what's not. Yeah. I love when we can weave into these, a call to action for the people listening. And that's one, you know, seek out, you know, driver, seek out Jim, give him that feedback because it sounds like, you know, he's got a real vision he's putting together for improvement and man, hats off and shout out to Jesus out there for taking Jim along and showing them some of what you learned over the last 40 years driving. I mean, that's I, absolutely. I was in awe of this man, like talk about a humbling experience to, you know, watch a guy just, just being with him while he just does his daily routine of, you know, just, you know, his work that, that obviously leads to our company's success. Right. And he, he does it every day. It's pretty cool. So let's, let's transition just a little bit. Give us a snapshot. And you already did a little bit on your microwave popcorn experience, but what <laughs> experiment, uh, but what else do you like to do outside of work? So I, I live in Louisville, Kentucky, and um, we have once a year, we have this, you know, greatest sports event uh, the, they call it the greatest two minutes in sports, which is the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. And the Kentucky Derby is phenomenal, and most people see it on TV, and it, it's on for like 10 minutes, and it's over. But what they don't know is there's all these fundraisers that go on for weeks at a time before it. And uh, a few years ago, I got hooked up with a team. I like to cook, and I will you know, pretty much cook anything. And I, I ended up on a team volunteering for, this, for these people uh, to cook for a nonprofit so I was with a, a group called Operation Barbecue who, who handle and go to all these when there's a hurricane or when there's a weather, you know, terrible things that happen in communities. These guys show up and they cook meals, lunch and dinner for weeks on end. Hmm. Uh, so I got hooked up with them. So I, I cook a lot, um, especially during that part of the year where we may spend 16 hours a day, you know, cooking food for a thousand people for a fundraiser. Wow. So that's uh, that's you know, what I, I really like to do is cook. And then secondly, um, I play the guitar and I, and I sing badly. And so, so uh, as an example of weird things we do during COVID, COVID to get over my biggest fear, it, my biggest fear is not speaking. You know, some people have issues speaking in, in public. I probably, my family and I, we probably live for that. But, but what I couldn't do was sing and play the guitar in front of anybody. I'd lock myself mm-hmm. in my basement. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so as soon as COVID hit, they said, you got to be home for, you know, roughly at the beginning, if you remember, they said 60 days. So I said, okay, what am I going to do for these 60 days? And they said, you know what? I am going to play guitar and sing on a live stream on Facebook. Oh, wow. For yeah. and, and I started two things. One was the alphabet. So a song that began with letter A and the letter B and all the way to Z. And then... Uh, I broke it into the 50 states. So it had to do something with every state. I had to sing a song. Either the writer came from that state or mentioned that state. Um, and I did, and I did 60 nights of that. And the, the thing that got me was, you know, 
people would join this. And of course I can't say, but I'm doing my best. And, uh, and it was scary. Right. But I was, I knew sure. I was getting over my fear of doing this, like my worst fear. And the, and the, the one night that I knew I was kind of over it is somebody texted me in the middle and they said, we have this playing up on the big screen in a bar in Houston. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, man. and I'm like, I just locked up like that was that's my big that was like my exact biggest fear is that there would be a thousand people now laughing at this. Um, but what I did you learn from that it. experience? I learned that I could get comfortable doing anything. I made it through that. I did my 60 nights and I actually missed it when I got done with it. And I got phone calls from people from um, basically all over the world saying, look, we got to do more of these. Like you sing terrible and you play terrible. And, you know, you should probably practice more, but you're entertaining and you, and you look from the first day when you were just scared as a cat to, you know, comfortable at the end of 60 days, I, I powered through and I, I took advantage of those 60 days to go learn something new about myself. Yeah. And that, you know what, that mindset I think is so exciting to bring to the role you're in as director of customer experience, because you know, you're looking for ways to push the boundaries of what maybe yourself and others have been comfortable with, uh, looking for opportunities to grow and create, you know, a positive impact with customers. And this is a great way it sort of showed up in your personal life. And how fun is that? I mean, live streaming, playing guitar, going from scared to champion of the bar scene in Houston. <laughs> yeah, there's- it was a scary night. I, I, it was that. That was the decision moment. Like, uh, you know, you face that one big decision. You're like, you know, do I stop right now or do I move forward? And I was, okay, I think I'm going to move forward with this. But this yeah. is, uh, you know, I gave a shout out to the people in the bar, and we just went on. Your health matters. Sitting all day isn't great for our health, and incorporating physical activity into your day helps counteract that. Our motion program is open to all employees and literally pays you to walk. You earn free money by walking a certain number of steps per day. This money is applied to your HSA bank account and can be used directly to pay for any doctor's visits, prescriptions, or anything else you'd use your health insurance for. The maximum amount of money you can earn over the year is $1,100. Many of our employees have lost significant weight, gotten healthier, and even slept better since they joined Motion. Reach out to your dispatcher and people and culture manager for information on how to get started. It's that easy. Thanks for listening to the Winning Drive Podcast. Be on the lookout for a new episode soon.